what is it that other people are doing well? How do I apply that to my brand? How do I make it better? It's like the Apple approach, I would say. You know, Apple isn't necessarily reinventing the wheel every two minutes. They're taking things and making them better. The, yeah. you know, the iPhone was not a new idea. Touch screens were not a new idea, but they took it to the next level. So how do you take that that somebody else is doing and take it to the next level and really set yourself apart? Hello and welcome back to the Event Promoter Podcast. In this episode, we have Jason Garrell, who is a really stellar brand and marketing professional who has worked with a lot of music venues, a lot of live entertainment. His experience goes beyond that, working with bowling alleys and, and different types of businesses. Insect Hobby Design Co. is their company. I got to meet Jason at the National Independent Venue Association Conference. His work was on display. His Him and the, his collaborators worked on the Neva branding um, which you can go to the Neva website and check out some of those examples. But the really stellar stuff was the in-person, the way that the branding was carried through beyond just posters, beyond just an image on Facebook and carried the whole way through to the event. And uh, we talk a little bit about that in this podcast. I think that there's a lot to learn here, whether you're a designer trying to you know, uh, make yourself valuable for event organizers and in the live event space, or if you are a event organizer yourself, really understanding like when is it important to work with a designer in-house? When's it better to work with an agency? And what are the ways that you should be thinking about branding and design beyond just the poster? So with that, let's jump into the episode with Jason. You and your team could stop doing the most tedious part of event promotion that is posting your event everywhere. With Vesta, over 500 event organizers are able to reach more attendees while doing less work every single month. It's used by some of the world's best event organizers, including Mavericks, Resound Presents in Austin, Texas, Omaha Performing Arts here in Omaha, down to a lot of bars and restaurants and local event organizers. It works across the gamut, helping you post your event everywhere it needs to go in your local market without lifting a finger. Check out how you you and your team could save hours a week with Vesta at vesta.fun. Awesome. Thank you for joining us, Jason. Uh, I'm excited to get to talk to you about this topic. And uh, I think design uh, and branding is, is a, a topic that on our blog has gotten a lot of attention. And I feel not as qualified to talk about it as you. So I'm excited to dig in here. It, let's start out by, if you want to just tell people who you are and, and what you do now, and then we'll get a little bit into like how you got there and what your experience is. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, really nice meeting you. Out at Neva. Yeah, so my name is Jason Garrell. Uh, I run Insect Hobby Design Company, do branding, websites, pretty much anything design related you can think of. Um, also, to provide some marketing services as well. I'm the primary designer for uh, Neva since I actually started with Neva in 2020 at the beginning of the crisis. So I was part of uh, Save Our Stages and it was been pretty exciting. And here I am today, 2023. Would have thought. So awesome. <laughs> cool. Yeah, your work is so you were the I guess you and your, your team probably were the designers for the the Neva conference branding also. Yeah, I actually <laughs> There wasn't much of a team design team, but I did work uh I did work very closely with Maya uh Olmstead, uh the web developer and uh front end designer uh for Neva, she's great. Uh, we have a great relationship. So we kind of work together to kind of get the look right. Um, and all the imaging and uh, design elements of the conference, I 
I had someone I had heavy heavy involvement or some involvement in at some point. So most of the things visually you've seen, I, I had I touched. So pretty pretty awesome opportunity, amazing. So it was great. It was cool to see too at the conference just the way that the design elements were used to really like, especially the second day at the uh, main stage, like the projections and the wall wraps and stuff like uh really kind of sold it as this like it, it made it a little bit more immersive you know which is kind of an overused word now but it really does I, I totally agree with you i mean that venue is just incredible incredible venue that they use it was just it was absolutely perfect for the conference and the, it was dc I, turnaround right uh, that day a uh, capital turnaround yeah capital, capital turnaround. Turnaround, it's, yeah. yeah it's such a unique venue just different spaces in there and what you can do in that venue. But yes, those digital walls are, I don't even want to know how much money those were. They're beautiful. Stunning. <laughs> <laughs> Every venue yeah. should have them. If they can find I the money to, to pay for them. I used to do AV and, and I did a lot of video projection, like video mapping uh, and, and also like the video walls and stuff. And yes, they're very expensive sure. and they're, they like require so much energy to run and stuff, but uh, mm -hmm. they're worth it. Cause it really creates such a like, it pops, you know, but you need good it design. For it. I've definitely, I've definitely had those screens and then the designs were just like someone put a slideshow together in, in like Google PowerPoint and, and are just like, here you go, put that up there. And I'm like, really, you paid all this money and that's what you're going to put up there. I, I know it's, it, I'll just say it pays to pay the designer. So yeah, it your... definitely does. <laughs> Uh, and we're going to get into some of that a little bit more in detail, like why I think uh, we'll discuss a little bit about, you know, what your thoughts are on, on why that matters and and what are some things independent promoters uh, can be thinking about um, whether or not they can hire, you know, an, an agency like yours or have someone in-house. Uh, sure. You have experience doing both. So before we dive into some of those topics, um, why don't you tell us a little, you told us where you're at now. Um do you want to tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about your experience? Because I know you have experience in-house uh, also and some community experience and stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I spent uh, most of my design career at Paps Theater Group in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, we were, Paps Theater Group now runs, I think, six venues. Wow, crazy to say. But uh, started as the Paps Theater. Um, I started there when it was Paps Theater in 2003. And, uh, and then kind of grew to the Riverside Theater, which is a kind of medium-sized room, 2,500, and then grew to Turner Hall and kind of went from there. And we continued to add venues, doing amazing things for the city. city never really had something like the Pepsi Group, aside from the Rave. The Rave is also a really unique, cool space where you can see shows and has multiple rooms. But, yeah, I, I worked for the Pepsi Group for 20 years under uh, Gary Witt and Matt Berenger, and it I did everything from branding the venues, branding like the company as a whole, the umbrella name, Pepsita Group, to uh, marquees, uh, blade signs, pretty much anything you could think of. I also did a lot of project management, uh, heading up like green room remodels. And um, I also picked up garbage when I had to, too. So I kind of was, <laughs> I did everything. I did everything. Nothing was too, uh, you know, was outside of the realm of what I could do there. So it was, it was pretty fun and really special experience and kind of led me to where I am today and still continue to do work with them on a contract basis. So. Yeah, that's great. Uh, it's cool that you have both of those kind of experiences and to work for one company for that long must mean that you really uh, enjoyed it and they must have really valued your work too. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, I was very thankful for the experience I got there and yeah, and I'm really happy for the things we're doing now. So I'm continue to grow. It's really exciting. So, so you touched on something there that I think is when I talk to event organizers, uh, something that some of them understand and some of them don't, and some that do understand it still kind of just have a lot of questions around it. Um, you touched on just like the different things beyond just a flyer or just the logo of a, a company that uh, brand and design touches. Um, can you talk a little bit about, I, I think that now there's a lot of digital versions of that, but there's always been a lot of signage versions and even just like, what does the room look like? What does the marquee look like? Um, can you touch on just like how you think about that, um, creating kind of a cohesive brand and why that is important across different uh, formats. Absolutely. Um, you know, where, where I always start is like, always take your time with something. doesn't matter how small it is. You never know where that piece is going to end up 10 years from now, five years from now, especially in the day of, you know, in, in the time of the internet now. Things always pop back up. So always be very mindful of your brand at all times. It's been my approach. What is the look and feel of it? Is this the correct approach to this thing? Even if it's a small graphic, that small graphic can be reused and people can pick that up and put it in places you didn't expect. And you're like, ooh, should have took a little more time with that. So developing a very strong brand that you can carry through to all materials that people know it's, it has the look and feel of your brand is, is key to success. You know, people know when they look at something that is, you know, Paps Theater Group. You know, or, you know, any any other, um, you know, same with Neva, you know, that piece looks and feels like Neva. It has the colors, it has the look, it has like the fonts, you know, so picking the right fonts, picking the right logo that represents your company, I think is so incredibly important and carrying that through to all aspects of your brand. So whether it be the marquee, whether it be a printed piece, whether it be a social template that you use to sell shows, you know, it's important that people know it's you that they're looking at at all times. So I think I, I saw a really interesting piece of data looking at our promotions. We promoted 22,000 events last year. And so I have a lot of data that I can work with. And, um, yeah. you know, a lot of local music, especially, uh, can be challenging to promote because it, uh, you'll see the title of the post and it'll just be the name of an artist that you may or may not have ever heard of. And then the picture is just some guy sitting in a field with a cowboy hat. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what this is. I don't even know what genre this is. Uh, and it's like actually a hip hop group or something. But uh, <laughs> the some of the best performing events in our system have the promoter's name first. So like... I'll just use Resound Presents as an example because they're really good at it. Resound Presents, and then it'll have the title of the artist and then maybe even some like descriptor of it. And every single one of their graphics also is a very distinct style. So if you're scrolling through social media or you're on a community calendar somewhere or you're out and you see a poster, you know at a glance that that's that brand that you know. And we see the performance of those perform better. And I think there's something too that people know, even if I don't know that artist, I know that you know, resound or paps like puts on a good show. <laughs> like they're, they book good bands, they book good DJs. They like the, every time I go to one of their events, I have a, a good time. And there's something really valuable to that um, as a promoter, because if you don't have that, you're stuck only relying on the pull of the, the artists and the performers. Um, and I think that just speaks to 
the power of consistent branding over time um, and thinking about those things and being consistent with them. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing too is brand voice, you know, on socials when you're posting content, make sure that is consistent across all channels. If you have like, for example, Riot Fest in Chicago, anytime you look at any written piece of theirs and, and also like the imaging that they use, so they use their big, you know, real big logo, big fat logo. You know it's Riot Fest right away. But also if you read anything, I mean, if you would open up an email, you didn't even see as Riot Fest, you started reading it, you would know it's Riot Fest. So branding isn't just necessarily just the visuals. It's also like the voice carrying forward across all channels, even on podcasting or socials, uh, website. Is Does it have a unified voice that you know it is what it is when you read it or listen to it so yeah yeah the experience too i think it plays yeah. into that there's like you know if is there some Absolutely. consistency to the experience that you have when you go to those events or interact with that brand uh it all plays into this ecosystem of like what is the um you know can people recognize you quickly and do they have a good association with that with recognizing you i i totally agree with that too and from like the venue side the in-house venue side um that i can't come from just knowing that how you're treated when you come through that door you, you know the drink prices are affordable um i got a great seat location i didn't get completely gouged with fees for a, a, you know a concert i mean but i would say fees do go um, venue fees do go back into the venue in most cases. So I would say not all fees are evil. They go back into your favorite venues to help make them better. But yeah, exactly. You know, like if you go to like, let's just say you go to a show, a Riot Fest pre present show in Chicago um, or in Milwaukee, you know what type of artist that you're, what kind of experience you're going to have based on the artists that they're putting in those venues. You know, it's going to be a great experience because it's put on by that. And I'd say the same for like Pepsi Theater Group. You know, it carries through to all the venues that they they book for. You know, you know that you're gonna you're gonna get great parking solutions. You know, you're gonna have great great drink prices to work with, and you know, and you also in some cases also have access to hotels at a cheaper price. So all those things go into the experience. I think uh, you know going to a concert at one of those venues. So so. If let's like take a step back, if, if you're a promoter or, or an event organizer that is still working on developing that brand, or maybe is realizing now they should be taking it more seriously. Um, mm -hmm. What are some of the like starting points that um, an organizer should be thinking about? Like, how do you even develop what that voice is, or what that um, visual identity is? Obviously, this is like, you know, probably hours and hours of consultation to really get there. But are there some like high level things that people can, can think about that, that go into that, uh, that process? Number one starting point, look at what other people are doing. What do you like that other people are doing? What do you dislike that other people are doing? Take all those things into account when you're trying to develop your brand. You know, who do you want to be? You know, who, what are things that are done well at venues? What are things that are not done well at venues? Where do you want to go? That's always been my starting point. Doing a lot of research, going, experiencing shows, experiencing whatever brand you're working on. You know, for example, I also work on, uh, I work with this local company here that makes pasta, uh, local pasta. What's the experience at the place that people are having? How do I think about that when I'm developing, you know, different content for them? 
I want to carry that through. I want that experience to be kind of told through like the visuals as well or the brand voice. I want that to be carried through. So same thing with, you know, planning, doing uh, concert promoting, you know, what is it that other people are doing well? How do I apply that to my brand? How do I make it better? It's like the Apple approach, I would say, you know, Apple isn't necessarily reinventing the wheel every two minutes. They're taking things and making them better. The, yeah. you know, the iPhone was not a new idea. Touch screens were not a new idea, but they took it to the next level. So how do you take that that somebody else is doing and take it to the next level and really set yourself apart? I think there's something to that of like, if you're looking at brands that you like and dislike, you're naturally going to imbue your own personal personality into that. So if you're event organizer yourself working on this or you're hiring a designer that works on it, there is some, you know, personality that gets, that will make it differentiated because uh, you're not going to have the same taste as someone else. Hopefully you have good taste, <laughs> but uh, whatever that means. But uh, it, it, if you can stay Always. consistent, Always. I think that's, that's the key. Um, I see some brands that I'm like, I hate this branding. It's bad. Uh, or I think, you know, at first glance, but then I see it 120 more times and I'm like, you know what? There's something to this, you know, <laughs> there's a style on the internet of like going back to like the early nineties website design. And like, at first I just hated it, but now it's grown on me and I'm like, okay, the websites that do that, I'm like, that's a, that's a choice. You know, <laughs> everything, everything comes back. It goes in cycles, right? I mean, think of fashion and what you're yeah. wearing. There are things I'm wearing now that I never thought I would have wore 10 years ago and now I'm wearing it, you know? So things do get recycled, things come back, you know, especially like vintage is a very like popular thing. Vintage, vintage clothes, you know, people love that vintage um, design. I do a lot of design work for a com local company here, uh, Bruce City Promotions, and all the stuff I design is vintage inspired. So things that were already created in the 80s or 90s, sometimes 70s, you know. We haven't touched on 2000s yet. I don't know if we want to go there yet, but, uh, you know, it's so... <laughs> that makes me hurt to call it uh, vintage. <laughs> I, I, I know, well, yeah, unfortunately, right? It's already 20 years, crazy thing. But, yeah. uh, you know, so, like, I, I totally agree with you. And it's like, I don't know, 90s, you know, the animated GIFs, spinning GIFs and stuff you see on websites now. I'm just like, wow, we're back there. But it's almost meant to be ironic in some ways. Yeah. So it's like, you got to put it not, it, it's not like a... You can't apply that to every brand. You have to do it for the things that make sense, I would say. You know, because I've seen it in some, you you know, you know, being used that way. And I'm like, I don't know if that works for that brand, you know. I just look at, like, even, like, the Wendy's, like, social media. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of like Wild West. It's like, anything goes on there. And it's like, that's their brand now. It's, like, just fun and crazy and posting memes. Where, you know, if you look at, like, a brand like McDonald's, they're very very clean cut and buttoned up versus like a, a Wendy's, but you try things and you see what kind of works and maybe it's, that's the right fit, you know, fail fast, fail yeah. fast at all times, you know, try things. And if they don't work, move on to the next thing. So if that hey, works you for your brand, then that works. differentiated, unless you are the, there's a whole thing in marketing of like, are you the incumbent brand or are you the challenger brand? If you're the incumbent brand, you want to be buttoned up and, kind of keep things yep. status quo because that's working for you. And if you're the challenger right. brand, you have to figure out a way to uh, differentiate and cut through the noise. Yep, exactly, exactly. It's where those 90s websites come in. You're like, exactly, no, no, no. yeah, you're like, wow, I didn't expect yeah. to see that, but now it caught my attention. Right, now you're talking about it. We're talking about it right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah I had a filmmaker teacher in college 
tell me that, you know, one mistake in a film is a mistake. But if you make Mm -hmm. that same, if you intentionally make that same mistake, like three or four times, it's an artistic choice. (laughs) And it's, so it's the consistency that makes something a choice rather than just, uh, you know, kind of off the wall mistake. Absolutely. Yeah. That off the wall mistake works. Run with it. Yeah. Don't be afraid of it. I think is what happened with Wendy's is I'm sure some intern got a hold of the social media (laughs) channel and they were like, yeah, we don't really care what happens on our Twitter. And then they're like, why are we getting all these people coming to the store saying they heard about us on Twitter? (laughs) Like we should do more of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I'm continually amazed by what works and what doesn't work. You know, things you think would work. Yeah. Fail. And then other things you're just like, huh, it's kind of makes you think like, what, what is my, is my approach right to things? So you're continually looking at what other people are doing and you know seeing if that works for you you know so try things is what i'd say too don't be afraid to try things what is your opinion on or just like what are your how what are your thoughts on like how an event organizer or a promoter should think about doing work in-house or hiring an agency like when do you think it's right for them to hire someone full-time in-house to do it versus hiring an agency versus like going on Fiverr and hiring someone there, if ever. Ooh, yeah, we maybe won't touch on the last one, but um, <laughs> just, kidding, just kidding. I mean, Everybody if you literally have zero call, budget, that's uh, where that's where it's like, yeah. okay, well, you should get yeah. something and then be consistent with it, uh, but. You get what you pay for, I'll just say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, honestly, the approach is like, what is the thinking at the top of the organization? Are you, trying to have complete control over your brand, you know, or are you letting other people kind of take the wheel of it? Because then I would say, if you're allowing people, if you want people to come up with their own ideas and develop different things for you, you know, from an outsider, um, I would say probably agency is a good place to look. And maybe it's a hybrid of both. Maybe you work with some agency for different projects because you're not familiar with the type of work it is and you bring them in. And then that helps craft like, you know, craft a path forward for like the in-house team. But if you're like a, you know, for example, if you're an organization like Path Cedar Group, everything is very much like we have a very distinct brand. We want to maintain that brand. We want to carry that forward in all aspects of our business. It doesn't make sense to have, you know, an agency probably, and maybe they disagree with me now on this. I don't work. (laughs) But uh, they might disagree with me. But uh, I'll just say like, You know, that organization in particular, everything has a very distinct look and feel, and it makes more sense for an in-house team to handle it. Things happen very, very quickly. Um, And I'd say, like, could it probably the same for a lot of venues? You know, shows get booked. You got to get the show up. You don't sometimes you don't have a lot of time to spend time to develop it and work on artwork and stuff. Sometimes you just got to get the show up. Show confirms. Oh, we're announcing it in two hours. Get the website page up, get the email out. And an agency wouldn't necessarily be the right approach to that for like a, a team like that. So it's really choose your own adventure. What do you want? What are you trying to do, you know, with, with your company? And if you have more time, maybe, maybe an agency is the place because you can develop things over time versus like being reactionary and have to get things out very quickly. So that makes sense. You know, it's kind of a roundabout way of saying like, I don't know, pick your poison. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to yeah. do? I think there's, there's, it's, it's do you all think there's any benefit to hiring an agency to work on 
on that initial branding and like, you know, coming up with that brand voice, like workshopping what the brand visuals can look like and then hiring someone in house that can then take that as like a starting point and then apply that to those really rapid um, scenarios where you, where you need to get stuff out the door. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in, in the case of like a venue, a new venue opening up, you know, they don't have the in-house team or maybe even the time to develop something over time. So they have, they meet with them they say, okay, this is kind of our vision for it. Let's craft something and kind of develop it and then hand it off to the team. I, I think a lot of brands do that, you know, a lot of, I mean, think of all the corporate brands that do that. A lot of people work with agencies to develop like the look and feel of things and then have their in-house team carry things forward. I'm sure Target and Walmart and all those yeah. brands. Yeah, they bring people in because they want some fresh perspective because the people in-house are so in the weeds on just like getting things done. Too close to it. Actually getting your head above water to like look around and see what other people are doing and see if Mm -hmm. you're still resonating in the market and stuff can be tough when you're in-house. So that might be times where it's appropriate to bring someone out um, in to like, you know, do a brand refresh or or kick off a brand from scratch. I totally agree. Yeah, it's... um... Again, it's all situational, what your relationships are, what makes sense for you. If you're, if you're an owner that is very involved in the look and feel of things, maybe an agency is not the right approach. Maybe you hire somebody that you can work with closely and you kind of develop the brand together and then carry that forward. So it's, it's all based on what the needs are and who the people are doing it. But so I can see it both ways. You know, it, it can be either or or both. Yeah, honestly. So in many cases. Yeah. Yeah. The both is something I hadn't even thought about, but is actually how it's worked at most companies that I've worked at. There's always some Mm -hmm. amount of engagement with agencies or especially for like paid media or like specific execution things sometimes gets pushed to an agency because they're just maybe better at that one specific thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Why, why spin your wheels and, you know, cause time is money, right? So if you have, if you have somebody you work with a business you work with, that can do this thing really well, why would you work with them? For example, like I did, I'm not an SEO expert. So I work with people that are SEO experts to do the thing. So rather than me figuring out how to be an SEO expert, I don't have the time to do that. But yeah. it's things I learn over time, you know, I shouldn't even be saying that, I'm just But uh, it's true, I'm not, I'm not an SEO expert, um, but I do work with a lot of people that are. So why wouldn't you bring in different people? that can do the job and do it better and be more efficient at it. Yeah. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. I'm, I'm a bit of a Jack of all trades marketer, but I would not call myself a branding expert. Like that's one of those things where it's like, uh, you you are, I see, I can, I I can be a little dangerous. I can get, (laughs) I I know enough to be dangerous in the, in Photoshop and illustrator, but at the end of the day, like if, if I were, if I had the budget and, and it was appropriate, I, a designer is honestly one of the first hires I make at every company I work at, a designer and a writer. Yeah. Uh, and I, I know the SEO strategy but and, and stuff as well. I'm very good at that. But at the end of the day, like I'm not, I don't have the capacity to churn out the amount of content that needs written. So uh, usually hiring a writer sure. is also a top priority. AI might change some of that, but uh, I don't think it's quite there yet. <laughs> no. No, it's, yeah, it's slow <laughs> Especially moving. not on design. It's very... It's pretty bad on the design side. You know, it's interesting. I do use, you know, when I'm stuck in an idea, like especially with like apparel or something, I do go to AI and see what AI comes back with sometimes, you know, because sometimes you get 
you get blocks. Everybody gets blocks, even writer's blocks and stuff. I get, yeah. I get like creative blocks where I'm just like, I don't even know where to go with this. And I don't want to necessarily copy like what somebody else has done because not cool. But, um, you know, what is AI going to spit back at me? And like, oh, it's an interesting approach, not necessarily using it, but like taking that idea and kind of molding it into your own is, I think, how a lot of designers should be thinking about AI. You know, use it as a tool versus like view it as an enemy, you know? I think that's really smart. And I think that's what it's good at right now. That's what I use it for with writing is like, I'll use it for mm -hmm. a rough draft or just brainstorm some ideas. Maybe I'll have an article and I'll have all my, my outline subheadings and I'll say, these are the subheadings. Like, what am I missing? Like, is there some, and then it'll come back with like, well, this is also another topic you should cover when you're talking about this topic. And it's like, oh, duh. But also I hadn't thought of it. And it just, I think can make you better. Um, I just haven't done it a lot on the design side. So I was interested. That's interesting to hear that from you as well. Yeah. I also like messing around on there because it, it yields some pretty funny results. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Start looking you... up turtle, turtle in '90s fashion. That uh, some interesting things come out. <laughs> I bet there's some cool stuff that you can 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 do yeah. do there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one last thing that I just before I let you go, I just wanted to touch on this. I've been seeing a lot of this has been around for a while, but I've been seeing a real resurgence of this, like collectible posters or like collectible T-shirts for like either specific tour stops or specific venues putting on uh, events. Uh, have you seen that happening a lot more lately? And like, what, uh, just like, what are your thoughts on that? And can that add to the value of like investing in good design? Yes. I love <laughs> it. Um, I'm a collector, so I'm a little biased and also I'm a designer. So, uh, yeah, support your local artists, hire them brand, you know, make your event that much, you know, more special than it already is, you know, especially like I'll, for Neva, for example, our conferences, we hire a local designer from each city to design our poster for that city. And we take that through to the merch and it makes it that special where brands the event where you remember it that way, you know, like this year's conference poster was awesome. A pedal board and made a lot of sense. It just showed the connectivity of the community and how everybody works together, you know? So, um, yes, I, I think, Posters are a very good way to do that, like screen printed posters and and merch, uh, especially like tour merch. You know, think about this. How many shirts have you bought from a show versus like purchasing it on their online store? Probably not a whole lot, right? It's usually purchased at the event itself. Yeah. Especially if it's a tour, tour event. It has the tour dates on it. You're like, I was at that show. It's a conversation starter too. So I I love posters. Posters are really special to me. Um I wish I could show you my posters. I got posters up everywhere. I have hundreds of posters, you know, that I've collected over the years and also design. So I highly suggest people invest in good design, uh, brand your event, make it that special, make it a conversation starter and have it be something people have a good memory of, you know, the show or event or whatever thing you're making a poster for. You know, people remember those things and look back on it fondly. So, yeah, cool. I, I totally agree. I, there's so many that I have and, and I have some friends that are like very avid. They have like whole walls in their houses that are just posters from different shows. And, uh, Krumbin did a cool thing a couple years ago where every single tour stop had a different poster, which is a lot of work, but it, it was like people, That's cool. every, I went mm -hmm. to one of their shows in Austin at the, um, at emos in Austin and it was 
we waited in line and weren't able to get the poster because by the time we got up there, everyone had already bought them. Uh, but then we went to Buzz Mill afterwards and someone had left a poster sitting on a, a seat. <laughs> uh, so cool. the universe provided it for us, but, and that is memorable. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you remember that and you, you're telling the story, but yeah, I mean like, especially with jam bands, like touring jam bands, the fans are rabid about collecting those posters because they yeah. want to remember that event. And it's a special poster. It's a special artist that the band has worked with. People like collecting those things, you know, collecting those items, you know, whether it's a shirt or a poster, it's, it's a memory piece. You know, you look back on it fondly and, you know, you tell the story of the poster, you know, the poster's conversation always. Awesome. Well, it's been great talking yeah. to you, Jason. I think yeah. that, uh, yeah, I could geek out about brand stuff a lot longer, but uh, I <laughs> would like to give you a chance to just tell people, A, like what kind of work are, are you and your agency looking for? Like what, what types of event organizers would you be um, feel like you're most suited to serve? Um, and then how would people get a hold of you if they want to discuss that? I love working with everybody. Um, I work with wildlife organizations. I work with... Hmm. Uh, local businesses in the city of Milwaukee. I work with bigger brands. Um, I work with bowling alleys. I work with uh, other uh, music venues. I work with Neva. I'm a jack of all trades like you. Um, so whatever your needs are, I can definitely help you with that. Um, I love I love a good challenge. So I'm happy to work with anybody on whatever their challenge is. So, um, and you can reach me at insecthobby.com. It will not send you to a weird place, I promise. It will send you. <laughs> So, um, but I really appreciate the opportunity to talk today and yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. 